Hey now, welcome to Random Movie Club. I'm your host, Rob Logan. In each episode, I sit down with a co-host to discuss any movie of their choosing. The only qualification is that the movie is available to watch at home on DVD, Blu-ray, or digital. Before you listen to this show, I highly recommend that you watch the movie we're going to talk about, because we're going to spoil everything. Also, at the end of the episode, I'll tell you which movie we're going to discuss next, so you have enough time to watch it. If you enjoy Random Movie Club, you can help keep it going by supporting us on Patreon. Supporters get special benefits like bonus episodes, patron-only events, giveaways, and more. Show your support for Random Movie Club and The Geek Generation by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com support. On this episode, I'll be discussing Dragonheart with Stevie Franchise. Let's roll the film. Dragonheart was released in 1996 from director Rob Cohen. Written by Patrick Reed Johnson and Charles Edward Pogue, the film stars Dennis Quaid, Sean Connery, and Dina Meyer. So, Stevie, as I ask all my co-hosts, because all my co-hosts picked the movies, why did you choose this movie? You know, all right, so Dragonheart came out in 96. I was five years old at the time. I don't remember when I first saw it, but I do remember where I was when I first saw it. I was at my best friend's house in his living room. His dad had it on. I think it was on like HBO or some some movie channel, so no commercial interruptions. Sure. And I was just like enamored by it. And growing up, I was like, I was obsessed with like dragons. I had dragon everything kind of thing, you know, as a kid does, like sure. loves fantasy stuff. So I always had all these dragon stuff and read all these fantasy books and whatever. And my dad was a huge Lord of the Rings guy, so got me into that stuff like super early in life. He read me The Hobbit when I was like five years old. So, you know, always obsessed with that. And when I became an adult and I remembered that movie, I like watched it again and I liked it for a lot of different reasons. Uh, okay. <laughs> mainly, like, this has the perfect recipe, in my opinion, to be a cult classic. And everyone I talk to does not know about this movie. It's just, like, vanished from everyone's mind. And it, like, really upsets me because it's, like, the perfect mix of, like, some odd character or scenario like there's this niche uh setting and hilarious quips throughout the movie like there's all these like little pieces that i'm like how is this any different from like a big lebowski aside from the fact that there's a talking cgi dragon you know like okay that's kind of where my head's at i'm like i'm trying to be the evangelist for Dragonheart, the 1996 <laughs> movie like it's not too late for it to become a cult classic it's important to have a mission in your life and yours is secure yeah <laughs> i found mine it's it's like hello sean connery voiced a cgi dragon and you didn't know that so yeah uh dennis quaid has reduced himself to doing insurance commercials and i'm sitting here <laughs> like dude you were a fucking dragon slayer i don't know if i could use profanity on this but he was sure. a fucking dragon slayer slash dragon's best friend missionary situation like he wore a lot of hats in this movie, and now he's reduced himself to selling car insurance on TV. And I'm, you know, a little upset by that. So, yeah, <laughs> I am on a mission, I guess. Well, this was my first time seeing the movie, and I am watching it without the nostalgia glasses. So it's very different, I yeah. assume, watching it for the first time <laughs> at this age than watching it as a child. For sure. But I did find the movie very, very interesting, which we will get into. Uh, but before we do, I always go to IMDb and I look up a whole bunch of trivia. There's some great stuff for this movie. First of all, Butch Cassidy 
and the Sundance Kid was one of Patrick Reed Johnson's influences behind the film. He pitched the idea as Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Dragon, saying that he liked the idea of a dragon and a knight conning villages for money because it was not only funny, but kind of sweet. Wow. It's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because I feel like they totally went away from the trope of dragons like hoarding money and jewels and stuff. Like, Yeah, like he didn't care about it at all. Not at all. Like, what... Like he's this noble creature in the throughout the entire thing that had really strong ideals. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh Sir Kenneth Brano was involved for a while as director in the early stages of production, and then Richard Donner, who spent six months on the development before moving on to other projects. So this was actually in production for quite a while. I guess one of the early limitations was what they were going to do about showing Draco. Uh, and they actually had Jim Henson's company involved at one point. Wow. And then it took so long that by the time they got ready to make the movie, they were like, you know what? We're just going to do CGI because I think we can do it this way now. And I, and like, another, that's another reason why I always think about this movie. It's like one of the first movies I can think of that like did a pretty believable CGI. Like 1996. And the, it didn't look like complete shit, in my opinion. It looked pretty yeah. good. Like it was pretty believable. There's the hilarious mouth scene that we'll get into. Oh, God. <laughs> that is might be my favorite scene in the movie, <laughs> but I don't want to spoil it. So, <laughs> uh, According to an interview, the producers originally cast Liam Neeson in the role of Bowen, but the studio didn't think audiences would buy him as an action hero. <laughs> well, no one stole the dragon, so uh, there's a there's a reason why he wasn't chosen. That is hilarious. I had no idea. Are you making this up? No, no. Although it's um, it's interesting that his accent would have fit into kind of the Celtic Irish tone that a lot of their accents yeah, have. True, it's a good point. Uh, more than 200 photos were taken of Sir Sean Connery with a variety of facial expressions, which, along with footage of his voice recording, were used to make Draco bear a stronger resemblance to him. I wonder where those pictures ended up. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the one with the mouth yeah. open. <laughs> Where's that one? Excerpts from the music score have been used in dozens of movie trailers and even for a special projection at the 1997 Oscars. The main theme was also used as interstitial and credits music, during the U.S. telecast of the 2004 Olympics. Get out of town. See, this movie is monumental, and nobody knows this. The music's real good. Yeah, it is a good score. It, yeah. it is very, like, Lord of the Rings-esque, too, you know? I totally got that vibe. I was like, this was definitely, like, when they went to Rivendale situation in Lord of the Rings. I can see him using that for, like, the Olympics, too, because, yeah. like, it's got more of an uplifting tone to it, because that's just kind of the vibe of this movie. So it's got the fantasy element, but, like, happier. Yeah, totally. Dennis Quaid broke a finger in a duel with David Thewlis and spent the last two weeks of the shoot in a plaster cast. Real action hero. Yeah. <laughs> Draco has only 23 minutes of actual screen time. That was one of the things I was going to say is they did a really good job of, of hiding him for like mm -hmm. a, a long portion of the movie. It was just this, which kind of made the CGI, I think, more... Uh, impactful like when mm -hmm. when the dragon actually showed it was like holy shit this is it's looking good you know yeah versus a, if it was a jim henson puppet like love jim henson and all of the things that he's done and he did like it was all like dark crystal and all that stuff yeah yeah i don't think i would have liked the movie as much though if it was puppeteers you know it would have it would have went from it's like movies like not that childish but it's definitely not like adult 
Mm-hmm. It's a young adult movie, I think. Probably a teenage audience, maybe. Sure. You know, family friendly for sure. But if there's puppets involved, I feel like it takes it down a notch. Although you never know what they're going to look like, because you could call the animatronics in like Jurassic Park puppets as well. True. All right. That's fair. Those are scary. Different tone. Uh, weird coincidence. Jason Isaacs plays Lord Felton opposite a character named Draco. In the Harry Potter film franchise, Isaacs played Lucius Malfoy, who has a son named Draco, played by Tom Felton. Oh. That's weird. Interesting. That is really weird. <laughs> I really want to know who, like, figures this stuff out. Uh, people like me that have too much yeah, time. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're spreading the message, you know? I know. We got to educate the masses. Yeah. Uh, In the scene in which Bowen, Kara, and Gilbert flee from a mob of armed villagers before they go to Avalon, Pete Postlewaite is seen accidentally putting his hand on Dina Meyer's clothed left breast. Although it was accidental, it was kept in the movie, which makes sense because it didn't really seem like it fit in. Yeah. (laughs) It was a weird little moment. There's a weird situation that we have to talk about later with the whole Kara. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. A few more. Director Rob Cohen stated that he was looking for an actress who was, quote, strong and someone who could, in the end, handle herself with double Viking axes and look believable for the role of Kara. Dina Meyer was the second actress Cohen interviewed for the role and obviously got it. It takes a true someone to dual wield battle axes, I guess. It's true. In the movie On the Eve of the Battle, Bowen appears wearing the headband that belonged to Kara's father on his arm without any explanation. The novelization reveals that Kara gave the headband to Bowen in the cistern of Ainan's castle as they snuck in to rescue Draco, or Ainan, whatever it's pronounced. The spelling of it, like, I remember I was looking it up afterwards, and I was like, that's not yeah. how I would picture how do you spell that man's name. No. Ainan. Yeah, not at all. It really threw me off. Uh, and lastly, Bowen shooting the arrow at Draco above the lake is an homage to Bard shooting the arrow into Smaug and the Hobbit. Draco even falls into the lake and plays dead. See? That's why I like it. I'm telling you. Clearly inspired. I was inspired. Okay. So the movie itself uh, begins with Bowen training Einan. Interesting sequence. Bowen is. <laughs> this is Dennis Quaid <laughs> hamming it up. He's the biggest dick in the, for the first like 10 minutes. Yeah. Teaching is a loose term, I think. It's more like shitting all over this poor kid trying to learn how to sword fight. I did love the part where he's like, I'm old, I gotta sit down. <laughs> he's just like messing with him so bad. Pours a drink at one point. He's yep. like sipping on some water or wine. Who knows? Like, yeah. <laughs> the king calls for uh, Ainan to come witness him crush a peasant rebellion. And here we get maybe one of the wackiest openings to a movie I've ever seen. Like the progression of the next few events that kind of set up everything. It's all so fast and so wacky. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, son, come check this out. Come check this pillaging out. And then it turns into, yeah, the, the, the cuts were pretty aggressive, for sure. And things happen so fast. The king's in there, gets jumped by the peasants. Yeah. Um, Einan rushes in and grabs his father's crown. You think he's, like, going to console him? Right. He's like, mine! I thought he was going to kill him. Yeah, you knew off the bat, like, this kid is crazy. Yeah. He, he sees his dead dad, and he's like, oh, man, that shiny crown. I gotta have it. Yeah. And then the dad, like, last dying breath, like, tries to take it back. They fight. Yeah, like, who are these people? It's like another Lord of the Rings analogy of, like, Iden's basically Gollum. Oh, yeah. And and the crown is the ring, you know? Like, freakishly, like, possessed by it. Sure. Weird. 
Uh, a girl who we later find out is Kara falls off a hut and into Ainen, who's pushed into a wall where a spiked post pierces his heart. Like the wackiness yeah. continues. It's just like classic. Cause like in my head, oh, man, Ainen is such a little twerp. And that's like the biggest twerp way of almost dying. Like not even like in a sword fight or anything. He like gets nudged by someone and falls into like a <laughs> punji stick that like what? First yeah. of all, who's the architect that creates this, <laughs> this hut? It has just, like, jagged spikes coming out of it. I don't right. know. Uh, to save him, Ainen is brought to the cave of a dragon where Queen uh, Aislinn begs the dragon to save his life. The dragon opens up the chest plate and places half of his heart into Ainen's chest, which restores his life. Of course, keeping the dragon in shadow the whole time, like like you said, kind of building up to the reveal of it, very smart to do. Uh, Ainen orders the restoration of the Roman fortress as they're like, as they're carrying him out, he's like, we need to fix the fortress, and then puts all the peasants to work to yeah. get that done. And on the way, like, he's on his deathbed, and yeah. Bowen, Dennis Quaid, is, like, making him recite the old code, Yeah, which is, like, this mantra of be good, you know? It's like the Robin Hood, essentially, of medieval times i guess mm. robin hood is in medieval times but <laughs> <laughs> the nightly <laughs> you know <laughs> but yeah he's like reciting this whole thing and just to keep him awake or else he yeah. was like he was a goner otherwise i think i don't know if we're gonna talk about this but there was like an important line in the cave that bowen and draco shared and it was basically like bowen pledged his allegiance to the dragon yep saying like i'll do whatever to make sure that this kid doesn't screw everything up yeah comes back bowen arrives to the place where the peasants are doing all the work he um cuts like the people out of their shackles or whatever protests Ainen's cruelty sudden cruelty that he's seeing uh, and then returns to the dragon's cave and vows to hunt him down for corrupting Ainen. and then i was like wait what <laughs> you just pledged well wasn't it 12 years later though not yet oh it wasn't the not, that wasn't yet 12 years later happens immediately after okay this. yeah and i was like are you kidding like you were just there like what was this like a couple days earlier <laughs> you know you would think that a knight of the old code has better judgment than to think that immediately <laughs> it's it's the dragon's fault that this yeah. is happening you didn't see the signs on the roof uh on the little uh mountaintop when they were fighting in the beginning of the movie like he was so amped to see his dad kill a bunch of peasants. Was that not Apparently, a, a glaring sign? he was completely sign? oblivious yeah. to, like, Ainen's disposition. Ainen apparently hid it this whole time. I didn't think he was hiding it from me. I don't know. Maybe I'm a detective here, but <laughs> it was pretty obvious. It's just revenge for Bowen acting like a dick while he was training him, really. <laughs> That's where this, <laughs> this whole motivation whole... <laughs> comes from. <laughs> he actually doesn't give a shit about the kingdom. He's just pissed <laughs> that Bowen was trolling him during his training the entire That's time it. yeah <laughs> uh then they do the 12 years later we get an introduction to brother gilbert who's spouting the poetry and prose brother gilbert favorite character the most unnecessary character yep but and, still favorite yeah 100 percent. and he's in a bunch of movies too that actor what's his name oh he's everywhere he's all over um, the place yeah postal weight yeah Bowen arrives, chasing down a dragon, which he then slays. Brother Gilbert praises him as Lord Felton arrives. When Jason Isaacs showed up, I was like, holy crap. And he sounds so different. Yeah. You know, I didn't think that he also just looks punchable face is the only way I could describe. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's this deep rooted feeling I have against Aiden. But like, man, he plays the part well. He really does. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, at a quarry in the kingdom, King Ainen arrives to further torment the peasants working for him. 
he kills an old man who is also Kara's father. And when Kara's like walking up to him and talking, this was the first time I had the thought in the movie that I was like, are Bowen and Kara the only ones who don't have an accent? It's a good point. And why is that? Yeah, like even the dragon is Scottish. Yeah, everybody around them has an accent. <laughs> they don't. I never, I never even thought of that, man. My immersion. <laughs> uh oh, Rob's breaking the movie. <laughs> I, I need to end, end this. this yeah, we need yeah. to end this early because you're ruining my. <laughs> I mean, it's fine, but I was just like, wait, what? I've definitely watched other things recently where I had the same thought, and I, I just, I don't even care that much. They're but. they're transplants, you know. They're yeah. from out of town. Sure. Even Kara's dad had an accent. But anyway, uh, <laughs> at a waterfall, <laughs> Bowen is stalking another dragon with Brother Gilbert tagging along. As the dragon gives chase, Bowen pursues, leading them both to the empty field. And then we get your, uh, your fun scene. Oh, yeah. The best scene. The mouth scene. <laughs> yeah. What do you love about this one so much? Well, I mean, I don't know. In my opinion... Draco has the upper hand, hands down, in this situation. Sure. Like, you could do so many different things here, and I'm pretty sure that he would probably survive even if he, like, got stabbed in the mouth, you know? That's probably like getting a toothpick to the face. Mm -hmm. But the real reason why I love this scene is because of Draco's super floppy tongue when he's talking. Because <laughs> yeah. it breaks the CGI. This is, like, real oh, situation. Yeah. So, like, you, you have this break of really pretty beautiful CGI in 1996 to this shittily <laughs> done puppeteering of a moist floppy tongue and when he talks it's just like i'm picturing sean connery in the booth recording this scene like what do you think he was doing he had a bunch of marbles <laughs> and he had like marbles in his mouth and he's like all right sean say this line but put 12 marbles in your mouth you know like what, yeah. like what is going on in that situation but it makes you it makes you learn that you know dragons are apparently also businessmen there's like this interesting situation here where you learn a lot about, you know, bargaining. Hey, Sean, you know, when you're at the dentist <laughs> and you're trying to tell him something, <laughs> just just do that for us. Wait, also, <laughs> they added that part of him pulling the, the guy's arm out of his tooth. Yeah. Another unnecessary but amazing scene. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dragon ate some other dude. And Bowen just decides with a, like one hand, he's like, sword stuck in the roof of your mouth. Oh, it looks like you have something here. Let me get that for you. It's someone's <laughs> arm. I'll throw it out. Like, yeah. And then the dragon Draco thanks him. Like, oh, thanks for getting that. It's been bothering <laughs> me for a, like a little moment. Yeah. That's when the, there's a serious bromance between oh, yeah. Draco and Bowen. Absolutely. And that's where it starts. Yeah. This was the scene in the movie where I started to kind of question the tone yeah. because I wasn't sure <laughs> what I was watching up to this point. Like, <laughs> is this a fantasy like drama? Is this like a tongue in cheek thing? Is this a straight up comedy? And it's a little bit of all of it. Yeah. But when they started like throwing the jokes here and like Draco's only shooting fire out of his nostrils, uh, he shoots at Bowen and it's almost like Bowen's in a Looney Tunes cartoon and he's like... <laughs> <laughs> burnt slightly with a little bit of smoke coming off of him and then he takes a shot to the nuts and i'm yeah. like okay i know what i'm watching now yep that's exactly right it's just <laughs> it's classic mid 90s uh fantasy i think mm. you know family friendly fantasy which is hilarious because rob cohen is the director of this and he went on to make like fast and furious and triple x and all those movies which yeah, i think yeah. is a hilarious like 
segue. He's like, all right, I made Dragonheart. Let's make some movies about cars. <laughs> Let's make everything with Vin Diesel instead of dragons. <laughs> They're the same thing, dude. Vin Diesel Basically. could be a dragon. Let's be real. Realizing that no one can possibly win the face-off uh, that they're in, the dragon proposes an alternative, and we don't hear it, but we see the next day uh, the dragon's flying over the village. Bowen arrives soon after and agrees to slay the dragon for a reward. They stage a mock battle in which Bowen fires a large spear towards the dragon who catches it as he feigns death, which looks hilarious, and plunges into the <laughs> lake below and swims out of sight. It's like great acting by Draco. He like yeah. catches... <laughs> catches the spear and he's like oh and then <laughs> just dives into the water he does like a like a swan dive essentially because it looks like mm. he's flailing and then he go and then he like even puts his hands up like he's like a, a, per a perfect tuck <laughs> 10 out of 10 there was like people on in the village you know rating this dive it was just hilarious <laughs> oh my god that would have been added <laughs> amazingness if <laughs> the signs went up by all the villagers oh my goodness I want to do, I know it'd probably be blasphemy for you, but let's do a Dragonheart reboot and we'll get to rewrite some things, <laughs> add some bits. It'll be fine. It probably wouldn't even stray too much, to be honest, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, at dinner in his castle, King Einan fends off an assassination attempt by Kara and throws her in the dungeon while visiting her there. He realizes that she's the one responsible for the injury to his heart years ago and then falls in love with her. Yeah, super weird, right? It's just like, also... I love Kara, mm -hmm. but to say that she like almost killed him when they were younger, a stretch. She just Little bit. she just jumped like she like didn't even jump purposely to hit him. She like fell, like landed on him. Yeah, like I don't think she was you know eyeing it up, like calculating the angles of if I hit him right here, he's gonna get impaled by a wooden stake. You know, so like I feel like he doesn't even have any right to be mad at her. They basically had their grocery carts collide yeah, at the that's store. That's it. Like an oops. And yeah. the oops was. But also, like, why would you be mad if you're Aiden? Because now you have half a dragon heart and you're basically immortal. Like, you should be happy at this point. Right. I think that's kind of. I think that's what he did. Like, right. He yeah. did like kind of like. He was like, I owe you a debt. Yeah. And that's why he's like. And she's also kind of hot, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like really, like really low key spitting game. And then he was like, mm. nah, maybe I'm still a psychopath. Maybe I'll kill you, you know? Yeah, yeah, he's he like he's couldn't a he couldn't make up his own mind. He's like, do I want to hit on her or do I want to? <laughs> oh, hit, he's off his rocker. Her. So, oh yeah. Uh, at their camp, the dragon feels a pain in his shoulder, and then the scene cuts back to Ainan and Kara showing a fresh stab wound in his shoulder, establishing the connection between the two. Yep. So that's when you learn, right? That the, yep. the heart they share is more than more than just the heart. It's smart it, way to do it. Yeah. Back at the camp, Bowen gives the dragon the name Draco after the constellation because his real name is something that he apparently can't pronounce. Dragons have another language besides English. <laughs> I think the hilarious thing is the clapback that Draco says in this scene. It's like, so instead of calling me dragon, he gets pissed that he's getting called dragon. Mm. He's like, instead of calling me dragon, you're just calling me a different language <laughs> word yeah. for dragon. And Bowen's instead like, of calling oh. me dragon in a different tongue, you're calling <laughs> me dragon in a different tongue. <laughs> Bowen's like, ah, oh, shit, that's a stupid... This is like another bromance situation where it was yeah. like, oh, man, that's really dumb. Why did I say that, you know? And he's like, like no, 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 I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Please They're call me Draco. Yeah. <laughs> They're so cute. <laughs> Aislinn releases Kara, who flees to her village. Bowen and Draco are trying the usual scam, but with no money. The villagers attempt to offer Kara as a sacrifice. Draco flies her to his waterfall where Bowen meets up with them. It's here that Kara realizes that they're working together. 
we get the weird scene with Draco singing to her. How do they become friends that quick? Not really sure. Right. Like if you like if you ran into a dragon for the first time, would you probably uh holy shit that's a dragon. Um little scared but also completely fascinated, but still run away. Yeah. And also like let's hear your pipes. It's like America's got talent future. Right, Draco, right. you know. Like <laughs> you you have very large lungs, dragon. Uh <laughs> let's see how you use them. <laughs> Without fire. Exactly. Another thing that I think is hilarious, Bowen's bargaining skills or negotiating skills with the villagers is terrible. I noticed this. This is the first time I noticed this. He does it by bag of gold. And I'm pretty sure mm. bag of gold is not like a standard <laughs> unit of measurement. Like, there's different size bags in the world. Yeah. So then when he, like, when he, when he goes to kill Dra- Draco a second time, he's like, two bags of gold. Yeah. Like, they could just get two smaller bags, dude, and you end up with the same amount of gold, you know? like it's very true. I, <laughs> I was kind of upset. Like, he was a knight of the old code, and then he turned into this, like, mercenary guy. But, you know, his, you could tell that he doesn't have the, the brains to be a mercenary. He's still deep-rooted, has that, yeah. you know. He was busy learning the old code instead of math and right. measurements. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No book learning. Yeah, he didn't do any... No business school for Bowen, that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, Einan arrives with his party as Draco disappears. He and Bowen face off one-on-one until Einan defeats him, which actually kind of surprised me. Uh, Before he can finish Bowen off, Draco reemerges and scares them off. How did Bowen lose? And we never even... They never even talk about it. No. Bowen flexes all over everyone like it's incredible he's like the most incredible man he's the james bond of like medieval times in my opinion meanwhile his bromance is james bond yeah. the dragon <laughs> <laughs> see full circle uh but i think that like that moment was like a serious like heart to heart situation mm. because i didn't say something like yeah you taught me to fight i got everything i needed out of you like i don't give a shit about the old code and yeah. that's i think that's when bone realizes like it wasn't the dragon's fault like this kid was pretty fucked up to begin with, you know? Yeah. But uh, very good at hiding it when he was younger, apparently. Yeah, you know. Very good. Hidden in plain sight, as they say. Yeah. Uh, the three head to another village to continue the scam, but Kara interferes and almost ruins it. Then Brother Gilbert appears and then praises Bowen's abilities. The scam is revealed when the lake that Draco falls into is too shallow to disappear because they didn't check that beforehand. <laughs> Pretty sure you can eyeball that, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Hey, maybe... I can see the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that, like, man, I would love to have a brother Gilbert follow me around because that dude is the best hype man ever. Right. Just writing songs about you, like praising the crap out of you. Like, If you're having a bad day, you just need like a brother Gilbert following you around. Oh, man, if only. Yeah, the lake thing. Maybe dragons are like uh, farsighted. I guess they can't. Like, <laughs> you couldn't really measure that out. I don't know. If they see glass, they yeah. don't. It's not there. They'll just fly into it like a window. <laughs> <They're> pigeons. <laughs> yeah. It's actually this is a long branded content for for Windex. Uh, <laughs> it's a real good looking lake. Uh, the villagers go after Draco, but he flies away. Uh, they turn their attention to Bowen, who grabs Kara and Gilbert on horseback before Draco flies them away to Avalon. That's when we get the awkward, like, breast-touching scene. There, There's this weird, like, Bowen-Kara situation mm-hmm. that I think is bizarre. Like, you, there's, like, it seems like they're flirting at times. Oh, yeah. But you know how young she is. Like, she was a child when 
she hit that's or, true like hurt Aiden and Dennis Quaid was a man mm-hmm. then 12 years pass still a man he looks exactly the same by the way everyone else yeah. aged in the in the movie <laughs> except for <laughs> he just got longer hair <laughs> he literally looks dashing AF yeah, I mean it was the medieval ages yeah I was gonna so say I that so I feel like there yeah. were different rules yeah maybe. maybe it's a period piece so yeah I guess that that applies and you know how old could any of them really get? Right, he probably anyway? was like twenty. Like right. Bowen was probably twenty. Yeah, they just aged really poorly. Yeah. <laughs> that, except for Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid looks better now than he did in nineteen ninety six. Like, let's right? be real. At Avalon, Draco tells them the tale of Dragon Heaven and reveals he's the one who shared his heart with Ainan, who which Bowen had questioned at one point, and. <laughs> He does like the, the cl- oh, uh, oh man, um, no, that's the story we all know. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. It's just like, and Bowen doesn't prod at that point. Like if someone said that to you, like right? this dragon is like amazing at delivering everything that he says in such eloquence. And then he does this weird <laughs> panicky move and Bowen's just says, okay, yeah, I'm cool with that. That's fine. Well, as we know, Bowen is a horrible reader of character. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't kept it hidden for so long, too. Knights of the Old Code, apparently, take everything at face value. That's it. It's fine. (laughs) At night, Bowen witnesses a vision of King Arthur and is reminded of the old code that he swore himself to. And this was done in Draco's voice. So I didn't know if he was actually having a vision or if, like, Draco was hiding somewhere yeah. and like heating up behind it to make it look brighter. Still unclear about that. Yeah. Because it's definitely Draco talking. Mm. This is like the only part of the movie I didn't really like. I wish they didn't bring King Arthur into the realm here. Like a little, little overplayed trope, in my yeah. opinion, for medieval. Like, why can't he just be a knight of the old code and the old code is just the old code? Why does it have to be King Arthur? You know, like, sure. you don't need that crutch, in my opinion. This movie. Does its own, you know. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't need. It doesn't need any crutches like <laughs> King Arthur. Uh, they all return to Kara's village and begin training the peasants to fight in a new rebellion against Ainan. Brock comes across the training and reports his findings back to Ainan. Impressive how quickly they gathered materials for the uprising. I feel like all yeah. of a sudden they had like four thousand shields and spears and stuff. Even though they seem like against the idea of a rebellion, man, yeah. were they ready for it? Yeah, they're like, yeah, we had the stuff laying around. I guess we had no plans on Saturday. <laughs> and this is when you learn that Brother Gilbert's like a fucking shot, right? It's like he's like nervous about using a bow and arrow, and then he's like, of course, they add the comedic crotch shot with the bow and arrow into mm-hmm. the dummy. Like, couldn't be a headshot twice. Had to be pinpointing, you know. I thought they were going to go for the the trope shot of the arrow splitting the other one. Double arrow, yeah. Yeah. Of <laughs> uh, Aislinn presents Ainan with a gift, a gift, quote unquote, of five dragon slayers. This is low key petty, right? Yeah. Like, I want you to die because you're my son, and I, I fuck. She, she's feeling guilty at this point, right? Like, mm-hmm. damn, I basically kept you alive, and you're a piece of shit. Now I'm going to try and kill you because she knows that. I don't know, like, at what point do you find out that Aiden cannot die unless Draco dies? Uh, very soon, actually. It's in the next scene. Okay. Yeah, because, like, you don't know oh, that. Oh, yeah, but she kind of... Did she know that, maybe, then? That's what I'm saying. Like, how does she know that? Maybe, I guess she has insider info, but, like, Bowen didn't know that. Right. And he was in the room, 
She has the familiarity of the dragons, though, knowing to bring Ainen to Draco in the first place. So Maybe that might be does. something she knows and just didn't share with anybody. Reliable narrator. Bowen leads the peasants to the castle as Draco fires upon it. They then retreat to the woods where Ainen's troops follow, only to be ambushed by greater numbers. Ainen signals for a retreat as Brother Gilbert fires the arrow into his heart. This is the scene here. Ainen survives the attack, but Draco falls from the sky on impact, and realizing their connection, he commands the Dragon Slayers to keep Draco alive. Yep, and a lot of things to unpack in this scene, I think. Mm. Especially, I think, Moen is the best general of an army ever in the history of mankind. He created this elaborate guerrilla warfare tactic in mm -hmm. what feels like moments. There was fire involved. He, like, trapped people with fire and, like, triangulated them into a position. It was incredible. It was, like, it was a it pretty felt like Home Alone in the Woods. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> they had true. traps set up. Yeah, they had people in perches. It was, like, yeah. unbelievable. You know, they all relied on Brother Gilbert, a.k.a. Legolas, to... <laughs> it's like Helm's Deep. When the, the dude running with the bomb, like the orc running with the bomb to blow up the Helm's Deep. Seriously. And he's like, take the shot. Brother Gilbert is an elf. And I, it was interesting, too, that he he took the shot reluctantly because he was like, thou shalt not yeah, kill. Weird. And he didn't kill yeah. after all, because even though it pierced him in the heart, he lived through it. Uh, Aislin approaches Draco and realizing how evil Ainan is, raises a spear to kill the dragon upon his agreement. Ainan stops her before killing her. Kills his mom off screen, yeah, but yeah. I think it's strongly suggested. Strongly. She made some... Those were not... Those were guttural noises. That was mm -hmm. not a, a shriek of scaring. That was... Yeah, I mean, he has... His his insanity has no bounds, let's be real. He's crazy. Oh, yeah. He's lost it. I don't know if he ever had it, but yeah, it's definitely uh, gone. Fair. <laughs> Bowen, Kara, and Gilbert sneak into the castle while Ainan battles Bowen. Kara encounters Lord Felton who grabs her hostage before Hugh kills him, that dude with the uh, the eye patch. I was like, I don't even know his name. I just read <laughs> Hugh in the synopsis somewhere. Uh, she next runs into Brock, who she kills with the battle axe. So she just, like, straight up killed the two minions, more yeah. or less. Like, with ease. Yeah. I was already rewriting this a little bit in my head because I was like, is, is this important that she kills him? Like, it's... It seems like it should be, but it's not necessarily because Brock hasn't been a huge part of the movie. So I was thinking, what if in the scene where like Ainan's just torturing people and Ainan fires the arrow into Kara's dad, what if Ainan just gave the order? So he's still just as evil, but Brock was the one that took the shot. She has a reason, a little. Yeah, it would have made yeah. like full circle vengeance and that like would complete her kind of arc in the movie. Yeah, too good. Uh, Bowen knocks Ainen from a high ledge and then starts to free Draco from his chains. Draco asks Bowen to end his life, thus destroying Ainen's evil, but he refuses. And he thought that he killed... He still doesn't know at that point. Like, he thought he killed Aiden, remember? Yeah. Like, he, like, does the Sparta kick thing. Aiden, <laughs> Aiden falls to, the like, a, a great length. Oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I got this. Like, it's it's over. And that's when he, like, realizes, I guess, the deeper connection which is uh sad the bromance yeah. has to come to an end uh bowen's argument's actually pretty sound too i thought like <laughs> does he actually have to kill yeah. draco to like <laughs> couldn't they throw Ainen in like a dungeon yeah. and then seal it with cement couldn't they like behead him right like would he would he survive that would that kill drake or like would his body remain alive with right, his yeah. beating if just, heart like, if you just like put him in cement and just like 
Yeah, at what point does he die, technically? Yeah. Know? Because, yeah. like, as long as Draco's alive. Yeah, like, what does it take? Like, can you just starve him? Like, not feed him, not do anything, just leave him there? Will he be okay? And then eventually the heart, like, wants to go back home. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What if they did surgery and took the heart back? Yeah. Draco had no problem just, like, pinky finger surgeon situation. He just, like, takes his little talon. He's, like, cuts half his heart out and puts it in. Like, why can't he just do that back? Like, yeah. <laughs> I decided that I don't think you actually need this. <laughs> I'm going to take it back. On some level, I think it has to do with Draco. Like he expressed his desire to die earlier yeah. because he is the last dragon. Yeah. So I feel like he's kind of pushing for that conclusion. Right. Yeah. He was talking about how he, it's time for the, the time of man is here. The time of dragons is yep. over because like they've been for thousands of years around. Yeah. And there's this weird like he says this line that stuck with me. It was like uh my sacrifice became my sin mm. because he, when they explain that he, like as a dragon, you need to do a good deed to get into dragon heaven yep. or whatever. So he thinks he does his good deed and his good deed turns into like this terrible act, which kind of like makes you think of this, you know, you're in, while you may have the best intentions, your actions may uh, deem otherwise kind of mm-hmm. thing. Maybe I'm digging a little too deep on no, that No, I don't think so. I think, and I think it also goes along with the line that even Einan said earlier that he used like twice where he said that death is not a punishment, it's a release. Yeah. Yeah. He does say that. I actually wrote that down. And he was releasing Draco. Einan reemerges and runs at Bowen as Draco opens his chest plate and smiles at Bowen, reassuring him that it's all right. Bowen grabs an axe and hurls it at Draco's heart, killing both the dragon and Einan. But that Draco's body dissipates into light and rises up to join the dragon constellation in the sky. To the stars, Bowen. To the stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should have just done it in Connery impressions the whole time. <laughs> Would have been That's best That's the only thing ever. I could say. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was a very heroic throw of an axe. Like, it, was a, it wasn't like, oh, I'll just, you know, like, stab you. It was like, I am tossing this thing. That was a two-handed overhead hurl. <laughs> and it was like... <laughs> To add the insult to injury, like, Draco has to, like, show the scar. Like, yeah. show the wound. Like, hit me here. Like, paint a sign on kind of thing. <laughs> X marks the spot. Yeah. Felt bad. It was crazy because, like, as much as I was watching the movie, I was like, this is goofy and whatever. By the time it got to this point, I was still, like, sad. Hell yeah, man. It's so sad when he dies. I got yeah. chills down my back when I watched yesterday. And I think it was more about... Like, not that I was necessarily super attached to Draco. It was the fact that Bowen was attached to Draco totally. that I was, like, sad for. Yeah, because, like, Bowen lived this whole life of, like, the old code. Then he lost the old code, and he was just this... He has no purpose without a, without dragons now because he was, like, this dragon slayer for mm-hmm. so long. And now he's back to the old code, and, like, his boys. Yeah, it was like, it was like Draco represented the old code, and then yeah. he had to kill it to kind of bring it back. Something like that. And he also, like... It is like that full circle where Draco made Bowen promise in the beginning of the movie that like Bowen says like you have my sword or something like mm-hmm. that to Draco for giving the heart to right. Aiden. And then that comes full circle like Draco's like, yo, dog, you said, uh, you know, I have your sword like you got to kill me, man. Yeah. Kind of thing. And Bowen's like, shit, I don't want to, but must be done. I have to keep my word as a yeah. knight. And that is Dragonheart. Any any final things you want to say about the movie before we wrap it up? You know, I don't know. I think uh, it just really it has a lot of things going for it. Obviously, a lot of s- silliness that goes on within the movie. But I think there's a thread in there 
That that is uh you know worthwhile. It wasn't like a so bad it's good movie in my opinion. No, there were some re- there were redeeming parts yeah, there for I sure. Think there's redeeming qualities. To yeah, this. I've made my fiance watch this, and she can't find many redeeming qualities in the movie like I can. But not for <laughs> everyone. But I I don't know. I just thought it was a uh, like like I said in the beginning of the show. You know this whole cult classic thing. Mm-hmm. I think it totally fits into that formula. There's a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of similar kind of minded movies out there, and it's sure. not like it did poor in the box office. I mean, they made sequels. They made sequels. Didn't have done that bad. Some big time names in it. Directors still has a pretty successful career. He's uh, has like one of the most successful oh, franchises sure. ever in yeah. Fast and the Furious. Like it wasn't a flop, which not makes it all. which makes it worse for me as as a missionary of Dragonheart. Because it didn't even flop. Like, more people should know about this. Right. It wasn't like a complete nothing that, you know, everyone kind of wrote off. People saw it in 1996, and I'm trying to find them. I can't find them. The one person I found, Sean, my college roommate, shares a love of Dragonheart with me. We have debated getting Knights of the Old Code tattoos together oh, or Draco Constellation. We've been going back and forth on it. The Knights of the Old Code, like, the code is kind of long. For a scroll tattoo. But yeah, that's how much like we have introduced this movie to a lot of people. He's my wow. co my co pilot in this uh in this missionary world that I'm that I'm building. So I have to shout out him because he's definitely gonna listen to this. And I couldn't go an episode without saying can't talk about Dragonheart for one hour without mentioning my boy Sean. <laughs> so, Respect. The yeah. bromance on screen becomes the bromance yeah, in real life. He's my I I wanna be Draco. So he's my Bowen. Uh, Well, we will continue this mission and get this out on the internet for all to hear. Uh, Speaking of the internet, where can people find you? Sure. Yeah, I'm on uh, social media, mainly Twitter, uh, Stevie Franchise with a one and a Z. I'm sure you'll plug the link somewhere. Absolutely. I I shit post a lot on Twitter. Uh, Also on Twitch, I stream, I would say occasionally at this point, I've been kind of going back and forth uh, a lot of real life stuff. I do a lot of travel for work, but I usually go Monday, Wednesday, Sunday, Stevie underscore franchise with a Z. Um, but yeah, I mean, find me on the internet. I like talking about quote unquote crappy movies. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of strong opinions about them. Yeah, this was a pleasure. I, I'm so happy to spread the word and I'm going to watch Dragonheart three and four. Skip two <laughs> for the love of God. I'll Maybe I'll might have to come back and tell you to skip three. Uh, <laughs> But four has Patrick Stewart in it. And I yeah. feel like he he wouldn't say yes to a shitty movie. Sounds promising. Right? All right. Well, thank you for joining me. This was fun. It was a pleasure. Random Movie Club is a production of the Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our podcasts and videos at thegeekgeneration.com, plus our live streams at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. Don't forget, you can support Random Movie Club and get access to exclusive bonus content by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. Our theme song is provided by Michael McLeod of Wolf's Den Music. A link to his site can also be found on our site. Thanks for listening, and make sure you join us next time when we'll discuss Kindergarten Cop. See you then. <laughs>